Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Out of the Woods. My name is Justin, and his name is Matthew. Yes, it is. And we are a Yellow Jackets podcast, covering episode two of season two of Yellow Jackets, Edible Complex, and oh, oh, what an episode it was. Uh, Matthew, remember how last episode I said that last episode had maybe the best final scene of an episode of any episode of the show? I assume you would like to amend that statement. Yes, I think it may have been upstaged. Uh, yeah, lots to lots to sink our teeth into in tonight's episode. Ready to get unpacking? Yes. <laughs> yes. Just before we do, though, just before we do, I had one follow-up thing. I just wanted to shout out, because in a, the final episode of season one, I shouted out all the countries that listened to us. We have a bunch more countries now. Uh-huh. So I thought I would shout them out. Great big thank you to all of our fans in... Switzerland, Cameroon, India, Singapore, which I think might just be my friends that are from Singapore, so thanks guys, <laughs> Austria, Cyprus, Japan, Italy, Algeria, Slovenia, Finland, Poland, Serbia, and Hong Kong. Yeah, great great selection of countries, you know? Keep it up, guys. I'm glad you enjoy our crazy Antipodean ramblings. Still hanging out for a lesson in Antarctica. Ah, yes. Then then we can truly be represented in every continent. We'll be a global podcast then. Yes. So, uh, Matthew, uh, how have you been? Ah, yeah, fair to middling. That's good. That was a bit bit of an incident last night. Oh, ah, yes, yes, yes. There was, yeah, your car, thankfully, when you weren't in it, your family's car got into a bit of a rumpus. Yeah, yeah, I got home from work, went inside, and a couple of minutes later you hear this massive bang and yeah. yeah, it turns out some uh, 75-year-old dude uh, ran straight into our car while it was parked on the road. <laughs> not, not what you want to happen. I yeah. hope the insurance company gives you a big p- payout. Nice and, uh, and uh, written off, as they say. I uh, watched a rather cool film by uh, Shinya Tsukamoto, the creator of uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man, one of my favorite films of all time. It's called Tokyo Fist. It was an insanely violent and weird psychosexual boxer movie. And it was pretty damn good. It wasn't quite as good as The Boxer's Omen, which is kind of doing a similar thing, which is the one where the guy broke all his neck ribs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The neck ribs, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of what we'll be discussing on today's episode. But yeah, uh, Tokyo Fist, highly recommend it. So yeah. Anyway, now that is out of the way, let us start the main discussion. Season 2, Episode 2. Edible Complex, obviously a pun on Edible Complex, which... Uh, my only thoughts on that is that uh, Lottie is a uh, mommy. Uh, <laughs> I love a- the way you said that, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this episode is written by Jonathan Lisko, uh, directed by Ben Semenoff. And yeah, this was a damn good episode. As, as I said, the final scene is fucking amazing. It, I have a couple of criticisms of it outside of that with the modern Nat and Lottie plot, but still a very good episode overall. Do, do you agree? Disagree? Yeah. And as a side note, it had... 
two songs in it that I didn't absolutely hate. <laughs> Which is, I don't really hate most of no, the music. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not as bad as uh, one of my co-workers' mashups. It's like when you put two songs together that you wouldn't mind listening to singularly, and then together somehow it's awful. Hmm. Probably but, you know, that can work. You, you ask him about, like, why don't you just play Mr. Blue Sky? And he's like, I like mashups. And you're like, well, okay then. Yeah, that it seems like something where it's like, you like your dog and you like creme brulee. So we turned your dog into a hideous furred creme brulee. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Are no, not... actually, that's not good. Are you not pleased by this development? Yeah. Quite what an... did I do wrong? <laughs> quite an on-brand reference, actually. But yeah, we open. On Shauna in the Meat Shed, inspecting the pretty bear-looking bear carcass. Yeah. Not much meat left on those bones. Free space for us to make a Carl Weathers reference. Oh, I thought... <laughs> you got yourself a stew going. I mean, I don't think they have much in the way of, like, potatoes and... No. ...onions and things like that to put in said stew. Hey. Carrots, even. Yeah, and it, nobody... Celery? Sa- nobody <laughs> said it would be a great stew. Uh, Ghost Jackie is trying to get Shauna's attention. I love this opening scene. I think it really sets up how the episode ends. Uh, after failing to get her attention, Jackie's like, oh my god, what planet are you even living on these days? And Sean is like, um, Earth? How about you? She's like, oh yeah, that's mature. Let's taunt the dead girl about her fragile plane of existence. <laughs> Which, ouch. As you do. Jackie comments that there isn't much meat left. Shauna responds that Travis and Nat will find something. But Jackie says that she knows this isn't true. It's one thing to lie to yourself, but lying to your baby. Yeah, Jackie is the externalization of Shauna's doubts about their situation, as well as her urge to do something drastic. So you, you Matthew, in, in watching these scenes, in, in the two episodes that we've seen thus far, you just immediately have the conclusion of like, yeah, this is just Shauna's mental projection of Jackie. Well, yeah, what else could it be? It's not well, like... an actual ghost. But like, you, you didn't think for a second it was an actual ghost. I mean, knowing the show, there's always yeah. the possibility, but yeah, I, I was uh, very much in the former category. They always have a degree of ambiguity around it. Non-committal hand gesture. <laughs> Quite. The agnostic church lives on. <laughs> you can't preach maybe. Jackie asks Shauna what she did with her ear. She lies and says she buried it. Jackie is amused by the mental image of Shauna burying Jackie's ear in a little ear coffin. E- ear coffin really does sound like a heavy metal band name. It, it does, doesn't it? Is Shauna imagining Jackie making fun of her in order to make what comes next easier? Jackie asks Shauna to braid her hair to f- hide her fucked up ear void. It looks really fucked. Jackie recalls the last time they did this, which was a freshman homecoming, wherein some girl drank too much rum and gummy bears... Uh, that girl threw up. Sorry, rum and gummy bears? Yeah, like, do you drink the gummy bears too? Do they dissolve in the alcohol? I was hoping you knew. I was hoping you knew. I've never attempted to do so. <laughs> yeah, I, I know some guy on... This is reference is going to tell you more about me than I maybe want you to know, but some guy on the Something Awful forums said that he used to soak gummy bears in Everclear and just periodically eat them throughout the day to stay buzzed. Alright, I, I don't even know what fucking Everclear is. It's, it's an extremely, like, high alcohol content vodka. I think it's banned here. Oh. Which would probably be why you don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. that, that reminds me. Uh, a long time ago, I got this uh, 33 Overproof Rum, which was like... Right. 
87% alcohol or Jesus. something. <laughs> and I haven't been able to find it in several years because, you know, nanny state. I think they just, like, uh, took it away from us. You'd have to have a stomach made of steel. I mean, you mix it. I should fucking hope so. <laughs> but, yeah, I think because they were clearing it, it was marked down, like, yeah. substantially. So it was only, like, 80-something dollars. Anyway... Whatever form that took, this chick ate too much, drank too much rum and gummy bears, uh, threw up, and then Randy slipped in it. <laughs> Classic Randy. He just the writers are like, hmm, we need a we need a story, you know, in the past for somebody doing something embarrassing. What character can we use? He just shows up and is like, you called. Kind of reminds me of Brett from the TV show Archer. Yes, how he's always getting shot. <laughs> just like very Archer's similar. Just like, dude, are you like full of magnets or something? <laughs> Fucking magnets. How do they work? Yeah, Jackie and Sean are say the lost bit in unison. It's actually really cute. Uh, fantastic acting from both of them. Yeah, the shot of them laughing together is so heartwarming and so horrifying at the same time because this is Shauna clinging on to the last vestiges of the friendship she had. Yeah, Shauna stares almost longingly at Jackie's fucked up ear hole. I said ear hole! <laughs> I think that's a zero punctuation reference. Any hole's a goal. Wow. <laughs> Cut two inside the cabin, where Mari reacts to Crystal's existence by saying, Oh great, there are two of you now. So apparently, yeah, it's funny, she hadn't noticed her either. <laughs> have you seen, sorry, but have you seen the Rick and Morty episode about the fucked up alien parasites that trick you into thinking you've known them their whole life? I don't think I've seen right. any episodes of Rick and Morty in entirety. You would, I would argue not missing a huge amount, but that episode was actually one of the better ones. I, if you're going to watch any episode, watch that one. But yeah, I, I'm thinking that Crystal is one of those alien memory parasites. Uh, they ask if Shauna's in the shed again. Nat adds, it's freezing outside. Coach Ben, sort of pissed offly, replies, well then maybe one of you should go and get her. <laughs> He's extremely pissed off at his situation. Ty goes to get Shauna, looking mutinous at having to do so, until Lottie says, don't. She'll come when she's ready. And then Ty's like, you make it sound like she's doing her homework, Lot. Uh, Lottie responds that, Shauna is processing and needs our support. I think it's healthy. Nat is like, yeah, so healthy. Everyone who's seven months pregnant should risk getting pneumonia by staying up half the night chatting with their dead best friend. Did you say pneumonia or ammonia? I'm reasonably certain I said pneumonia, but that's interesting too. <laughs> Misty complains that they're always waiting on Shauna. Mari suggests that they just eat Shauna's share of food right then and there. Ty is like, no one is eating Shauna's food. Everyone looks at Lottie, and then Lottie is like, no one is eating Shauna's food. An interesting little moment that shows you who's really in charge. As a side note, I love how in the first season, Ty is so focused on Jackie and wresting the leadership from her, that Lottie completely blindsiding her to take over the leadership is just so unexpected and so cool. And Ty, perhaps frustrated, is like, okay, who reeks? And Van is like, we all do. <laughs> Which is whenever there's like a cute making out scene between them and be or between Nat and Travis, I always have that in the back of my mind, like, yes, this is cute, but you probably smell like a grease fire at McDonald's right now. Yeah, no showers in that cabin. No, no. They should really remodel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they get right on that. Ty says, no, the smell is next level. She furiously discovers that someone has uh, defecated in the urine bucket. Nat demands the culprit confess. Misty asks if it looks like boy or girl feces. <laughs> Travis says that is definitely not a thing. I suspect he is right, but hey, if we have any proctologists or coprologists listening, please weigh in. 
Uh, Matthew, who do you think is the shit bandit? Well, I'm sure you're going to go into this, but yeah, I think uh, probably Fugue State Ty. Yes, like exactly. He's just uh, you know <laughs> gone to sleep and been like, oh, I could use a dump. Yeah, and then... This'll do. And the bad one doesn't care about the social rules and niceties, and it's funny that... Oh, no. She's just accusing them, but they actually are all innocent. I like the idea of it being Fugue State Ty, and I think that is really what I meant to think, but here's my crazy theory. I think it's Harvey. Oh, and he has been secretly hiding inside of the cabin without anyone knowing, like George Sr. in the attic in Arrested Development. Why would you do that, though? I like, don't know. What's he doing for food? <laughs> I mean, have we seen the lower quadrant of Jackie? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not an airtight theory, but like, I just think it would be funny if he was like, these people seem weird, I think I'm going to avoid them all now. Yeah, honestly, I, I think these one guys have gone off the deep end. One of his smarter decisions. It's definitely not that. It would just be funny. So yeah, <laughs> nobody fesses up. Time mentions that the other lantern is missing. Hmm. Feels like an important detail, maybe. Maybe it was her that she was using it when she was sleepwalking and she just fucking chucked it somewhere in the woods. Anyway, Ty goes out into the wilderness to dispose of the bum gift. <laughs> the bum gift. We cut back to the meat shack. Shauna has braided Jackie's hair to disguise the ear situation. Uh, she's like, how do I look? And she's like, like you might have two ears. Lol. Also dead. Yeah, Jackie demands that Shauna do her makeup because she's looking awfully necrotic. Nice SAT word, Shauna replies. Jackie, she should just be like, you know I'm a corpse, right? <laughs> she's like, um, now I kind of want to see a crossover between this and that movie uh, Cemetery Man with Rupert Everett. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Where, where Shauna just keeps hawking around Jackie's severed head and then gets married to it. And then, like, they discover that they were just in a snow globe or something and none of that shit actually happened. Yeah, spoiler alert for the ending of the film Cemetery Man, but honestly... This is not a spoiler-free podcast. It isn't. I I repeat, not. (laughs) (laughs) It isn't, and also, that movie makes so little sense that I don't know if it can be spoiled. Yeah. That's like saying... To describing like the holy mountain or something is like and then something weird happened it's like oh movie ruined <laughs> something weird happens in the movie where a guy's nipples turn into jaguar heads no i feel like you could still get a solid bit of enjoyment out of that even though i did spoil and a bit yes yes two two other film recommendations are the holy mountain and cemetery man watch both of those movies anyway i mean if you want i'm i'm not your dad i'm not gonna put a gun to your head no that would be weird I demand you watch more independent cinema as we've established nanny state yeah yeah. I mean if you're one of our listeners in Singapore hi uh, we love you and also probably a lot of the movies we talk about are banned where you are so sad yeah uh, that sucks yeah anyway Jackie says that Shauna wasn't the only smart one she just liked to think that she was Uh, really fucked up speech that comes straight from Shauna's insecurities is about to happen she's like you know Jeff only had sex with you because I made you into someone else. And you only had sex with him, so you could imagine being me. Uh, real pa- parallel to the Mona and Hannah relationship from PLL. Shout out, five people who know what I'm talking about. Um, PLL? Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> Jackie is the personification of Shauna's insecurities, as she so often was in life, too. Matthew, do you think this is true? Or do you think Jeff wanted to bang Shauna independent of Jackie? He just liked the cut of her jib. Uh, por que no los dos? <laughs> quite, quite. Yeah, again, this because this is Shauna's mind. I think this is trying to make what comes next easier. 
Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, before that, Jackie is like, it's time to be honest, Shauna. Yeah, that'll be the fucking day. <laughs> Jackie is like, you're hungry. And Shauna's like, Mari's making dinner. And she's like, that's not what you're hungry for. Jackie offers up her arm, grabs the knife, and says, I don't need it anymore, and slices off a part of her flesh. Ah! Jackie starts laughing uncontrollably. Shauna tells her to stop, but she responds that, you're the one holding the knife. And so she is. Insane beginning to an insane episode. Really liked that opening. After the credits, we open on Callie vaping in an emotionally drained fashion. She is in the room of her boyfriend, Kyle. He is also there. He attempts to distract her by showing her the story of some idiot who fell on his face. Somehow she finds this uninteresting. (laughs) This is just me hanging out with my cousin. It's like, hey, do you want to see this Instagram story of the most fucked up injury you've ever seen? I'm like, no. But let's go. (laughs) And then they just show it to me anyway. Kyle comments that she's been vaping a lot, and she replies that my only way of dealing is to numb myself into oblivion. Kyle asks, dealing with what? And she's like, my parents are assholes when they think about themselves. Everything I thought was real is a funhouse hall of mirrors. Wow. Unusually poetic for Callie. I like that they're exploring the realistic consequence of dealing with a parent's infidelity and suspected murder of a guy. Yeah, Kyle, you know, shout out to just some some advice I can give to people that are in romantic relationships. If your partner says something like this, they probably are looking for some emotional support. They probably don't want you to do what Kyle does next, which is to say, oh, maybe it's a good thing that they're so distracted, because now we can do whatever we want. I mean, but... In their defense, they are teenagers. Yes, no. I, I mean, that that's basically like 90% of my opinions on Callie. is like, yeah, she kind of sucks, but she's a teenager. Hopefully she'll grow out of that. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Kyle says that his mom wants to know if we want chocolate chip pancakes. But Callie replies, well, Kyle, we don't, because I'm breaking up with you. Uh, Kyle's mom sounds nice. If, it were, if I were her, I would have stayed with him like half an hour longer so I could have some pancakes and then break up with him. <laughs> That's so you. Very much so. Uh, cut two, Van in the past, waking up in the middle of the night, only to realise that, oh no, Ty is nowhere to be seen and the rope has been cut somehow. Hmm. She runs outside and follows Ty's footprints in the snow. Ty is sleepwalking creepily through the forest. Jasmine Savoy Brown is really good at sleepwalking acting. In a POV shot, she sees the man with no eyes again, who has a dumb haircut now. Uh, still terrifying. He's still terrifying, though. Who is the man with no eyes supposed to be? Is that, like, cabin guy or some shit? I don't think so, but... I mean, maybe he's connected to that mythos, but we know that he's been in Ty's family for a while because her grandmother saw him. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season yeah, yeah. one's coming back to me now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Van pushes Ty over just before she walks over a fucking cliff. Van is a pretty awesome girlfriend, just saying. Yeah, Ty wakes up and is understandably like, what the fuck? Yeah, they say you're not supposed to wake up a sleepwalker, but I think you're allowed to if they're about to fall off a cliff. I don't know if I made this reference already, but it reminds me of that bit in The Simpsons where, like, Homer's on top of this really tall building and there's, like, this lineup of people waiting to jump <laughs> off. And then, like, he has some sort of existential crisis and starts talking to himself or some shit, and then the guy behind him in the line's just like, hey, buddy, let's chat more splat. <laughs> Which in turn reminds me of that bit from that episode of Jam, but I've definitely already referenced that, so we're not going to reference it. As the two of them stagger back, the camera pans over to reveal the symbol carved on a nearby tree! Ah! Back in the attic, Ty is like, how the fuck did I not wake up? She somehow managed to cut through the rope, but they can't work out how. 
Fern asks her if was something on Ty's mind before she fell asleep. Ty says she was thinking about how fucked up it is that Shauna is still talking to Jackie. Van quite reasonably replies that Ty isn't exactly a picture of normalcy herself. Very fair. Yeah. People in glass houses shouldn't shit in buckets. <laughs> Van suggests they talk to Lottie. She might be able to give Ty some spiritual or psychological help. Predictably, Ty is like, I'm not talking to Lottie, and neither are you. Like, pause here. I think she means don't talk to Lottie about my issues. Because she doesn't prevent Van from... you know, I mean, as explicitly said in the finale of 110, she doesn't prevent Van from worshipping Lottie and believing in her shit and stuff like that. She just doesn't want to be involved in it personally. Yeah. It's hard to make interfaith relationships work. Because one of you believes that the other person believes a load of bunkum, and the other person has to deal with the other person thinking that what they believe is a load of bunkum, which is sort of hard on both parties. Praise... No. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's still a bit of a controlling tone to take up as much as I do like them together Ty has a tendency to sort of bulldoze over Van but I think eventually Ty and Van are going to have their version of the Jackie and Shauna fight at the end of season 1 and it's going to be pretty intense Uh, they go back to bed Van hugs Ty it's cute cut to a montage with present day Ty pounding espressos not expressos, and over-exercising on her stationary bike in order to prevent going to sleep. This is not going to work long-term. Hate to say it. The song that plays is Inertia Creeps by Massive Attack, which I liked and you didn't un- least unhate. No, it's uh, okay. Yeah. It, it reminded me of 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and you used to listen which to... Which is not when that came out, but still, no, yeah. that was uh, when I used to listen to M.A., as you would say. Yeah, listen to a bit of Massive Attack, a bit of Crystal Castles, a bit of Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah, those were the days. They were certainly some days. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the montage, she's standing in front of a mirror. There's a terrifying blink-and-you'll-miss-it little shot of Ty's reflection looking creepily at her of its own accord, which... The, the show doesn't draw de- draw attention to it all. It's just a great little detail that, like, you might not see, but it's like, oh, it's so good. Back in the past, Ty is chopping wood angrily. She looks over and sees Van doing a hand-holding prayer with Lottie, Mari, Misty, and Crystal, which uh, compounds her anger. Van looks over at Ty flirtatiously. Ty looks conflicted. Nat looks through the window of the cabin at Travis praying with Lottie. She looks fairly mutinous at this development. Like, I... I just want to point out, like, Lottie, you were officially the third party in two separate romantic relationships. Like, Jesus, where do you find the time? Yeah, well, you know, you got a lot of time in the woods. Nat prepares to leave for their hunt, carrying a larger bag than usual. Of that, more later. Cut to Nat and Travis walking through a beautiful snowy landscape. As I've said before, this would be a really nice place to visit if they weren't trapped there. Travis says that she missed the blessing. Nat diplomatically replies that he had it covered. He says that the tea and rituals are just a symbol of not being closed off and thinking that you know everything. Nat replies, I'm sorry, she goes all witch doctor messiah and I'm the one that's not being humble? Valid point. Valid point. Travis says that he was talking about himself. In much the same way that I would approve of Van standing up to Ty in any circumstances other than believing in some probably bunk wilderness spirituality, 
I like that Travis is becoming less of a twat. I just wish it wasn't for these reasons, you know? Yeah. And Nat says, it doesn't bother you that we're freezing our asses off trying to feed everyone while she's off holding hands and mumbling and making friends with the spirits of each and every fucking pine needle? Great line. Travis replies that everyone has their role and they're going to need more than just food to make it through the winter. Nat complains that Lottie... That is important, though. You'd, You'd need food. It's arguably the most important thing, you know? I mean, you need water, shelter, and food. But yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are like the main three things. Those are the main three things. And the ability to listen to Phil Collins. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I agree with you on one level. <laughs> uh, Travis, and, uh, I love this weird love triangle. I mean, it's obviously very uncomfortable, but it's a very compelling storyline. They disagree about which of the paths has more game, so they decide to split up. Nat asks how Travis will kill any animal he finds without a gun. He replies that he will figure something. This pretty much shows that all Travis cares about at this point is finding Harvey, which probably influences what Nat does next. They decide to meet back at the weird mossy tree when the sun hits a certain peak. That tree stump is clearly going to be important to the plot. Cut to adults Nat and Lottie strolling about the compound. Nat says that last she heard Lottie was finger-painting in the loony bin, and now she's running a cult. Impressive. Lottie says they're not a cult, they're an intentional community turning suffering into strength. Do you know, Matthew, every cult claims not to be a cult, you know? Yeah, they, they just uh, totally disagree with that branding. I, I, I wish, and I would almost respect it if someone came out and was like, hey, want to join our cult? Yeah, it's we're... It's definitely a cult, it's really fucked up, you want to join? Yeah, we're, we're dead set on that, we are a cult. Yeah, that, honestly, I think that would be a good PR move, just like, get out in front of it, you know? Join your cult. Uh, 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 uh. Sorry. <laughs> if you get that joke, you're a legend. <laughs> Nat asks what the fuck was up with the guy they were burying alive in the woods. Lottie replies that it was a therapeutic treatment. Nat is like, was I being treated when your purple fox came and jumped me? Hey, hey, hey. I guess in that scene, when a Lottie is in the asylum and she's wearing purple, you could call her a purple people eater. Uh-huh. <laughs> or the invisible purple traitor to quote your mom. Well, God. <laughs> and then I've Lott- always forgotten about that. And Lottie is like, it's it's heliotrope. It's not purple. <laughs> Lottie says that after Travis died, she was worried that Nat would do something stupid. So she sent her friends to keep an eye on her, and they had to act fast. Hey, okay then, Lottie. Then why were your friends following Suze? Huh? Suze. Why then? Huh? Why were they doing that? Huh? Why? Lisa, the chick Nat stabbed with a fork, appears and hands Lottie a smoothie. She seems intimidated by Nat, perhaps understandably so. Uh, Lottie questions why Lisa put marka root and not ashwagandha in her smooth. Lol. Let's just say I think this moment is fairly revealing about who Lottie actually is. We cut to Callie in her room, examining Adam's charred picture. Shauna appears, and they have an exceedingly pointless conversation. Heliotrope is a pink-purple colour. So it seems like yeah. a meaningless distinction, but I can understand how cult leaders get bogged down in minutiae. Yeah, it looks not dissimilar from violet to me, but probably that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Shauna asks Callie if she wants to go to the mall with her. She declines. Shauna seems to really want to spend some time with Callie, but understandably the latter is still very weirded out about the whole potential murder thing. Cut to Misty leaving a message for Ty, who still isn't responding. 
She has an excuse, not that she would be responding if she didn't have one, you know? <laughs> Misty tells her that she has evidence that Nat met with foul play, so she could really use the support of her teammates. Uh, Misty, you were never on the team. <laughs> you were the water boy. Thankfully not like the Adam Sandler movie of the same name, and I love that as a character detail, because she is the, you know, perennial outsider. Misty has posted on fake Reddit the picture of the security camera opposite Nat's room. The suspiciously Elijah Wood-voiced poster says that he might have an idea, but only if Misty stops besmudging his Adam Martin theories. Misty replies, demanding that he stops wasting everyone's time with goose chases, which she later realised she should avenge to wild goose chases. We've all been there. Well, yeah. <laughs> Cut back to the woods. Ty watches Shauna exit the meat shed while Mistle... That's my portmanteau friendship name for Misty and Crystal. Have an adorable stick fight with each other. Ty looks and sees Jackie's made-up and hair-braided corpse. The, again, I'm not an expert, but the makeup didn't look very good. And she understandably freaks out. She still looks pretty necrotic. <laughs> Indeed. Ty goes up to Shauna and is like, What the actual fuck? Van and Lottie try to defuse her. She says to Lottie, Did you know about this? Have you been encouraging her? A bunch of the others, including Ben, come out of the cabin and see what all the hubbus is about. And Ty's like, go on, Shauna, tell them. Tell them what you've been up to with Jackie. Uh, Matthew, do you think Ty is in the right here, or should she pump the brakes a bit? I don't know, it's hard to say. The human brain's a complex organ. It is. It very much is. I think that, again, this is sort of like... But I feel like, you know, they're all going a bit fucking batshit. Yeah. You know, it's so long on this bloody island. <laughs> Surrounded by frostiness. Indeed. In more ways than one. And Ty's like, Shauna's been braiding Jackie's hair. She's been doing her makeup. Ben goes, holy Christ, at this, which is funny. <laughs> You've been posing her, right? Adjusting her limbs like some fucked up doll. Lottie is like, it's okay. And Ty says, it is not fucking okay. Shauna starts crying. There is a deeply unsettling silence. Ty says that this has to stop. For her own good and for the good of the baby. Shauna protests that none of them know what's good for Shauna's snatch gremlin. To which Ty responds that it sure as fuck isn't this. Yeah, Sophie and Elise and Jasmine Zavoy Brown absolutely fuck this scene. They destroy it. In a good way, I hope. In a good way. Ty says that they must get rid of Jackie's body. Shauna protests, but Lottie doesn't say anything, seeming to silently agree with Ty. Shauna says that the ground is frozen, they can't bury her. But, Ty says... They can cremate her. Ty starts yelling at folks to gather firewood, and a couple of them do. Yeah, she used this whole incident to wrest back some authority. Classic her. Cut to the present day. Shauna and Callie are in the kitchen. The former is making some kind of meat snack. And... Uh, I believe they are hamburgers. Yes, yes. And as you pointed out, this is a tremendously inefficient way to make hamburgers. Yeah, I mean, unless you're just hell-bent on not actually touching the shit, which, you know, I can understand. Meat, gross. And you wouldn't think Shauna, of all people, would be squeamish about that. No, no, she uh, likes to touch meat. Phrasing. Not as much as Misty does. Uh, it's <laughs> Kevin Tan. Kevin Tan is at the door. He's not here on official business. He's just giving her a heads up as a friend. Uh, Shauna, Misty just told you not to talk to cops via cookie, you know. But I feel like... In fairness, not doing so in this situation would probably be more suspicious, you know? Like, hey, I'm just here to... I want a lawyer! Yeah, I mean, you know. but, you know, as her last line of the conversation implies, guilt, you know, she's not really acing it. 
Indeed. Kevin asks if Shauna knew Adam Martin. She takes a suspicious length of time to say yes and tells him they got into a fender bender. Kevin says they have records of texts between them. Oh no! Shauna explains that this was because she had to hound him to submit the insurance claim. Unconvincing. Callie appears and bails her out, telling Shauna that they must leave now to go to the mall. This is my friend Kevin. We went to high school together, Shauna says. Callie replies, Amazing! Hey! (laughs) It was funny. Kevin says that he will leave, but they'll be in touch if they have any more questions. And Shauna's like, More questions? Do do I need a lawyer? And Kevin is like, Why would you need a lawyer? (laughs) I missed getting to do Kevin Tan voice. (laughs) Although, in the intervening time, it's gone a bit Nicolas Cage. Fused with Robert Pattinson's Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I want to see Nicolas Cage play Batman so much. Oh my god. Did you know he almost played Superman in Tim Burton's Superman? I did not. Well, he would have been a fucked up gothic version of Superman. Oh, it would have been so good. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I would have watched that movie a lot. Yeah, Sean is like, oh, I've been watching too many cop shows. As Kevin departs, Callie asks why Shauna would lie to the police. Shauna replies that cops are sexist, and they would never believe it was just an affair and would try to make it something else. Callie says, oh, so you lied to be feminist? A line which pretty much sums up this show. (laughs) Shauna replies that actually it was the opposite. She wants to protect Jeff from becoming a cuckold laughingstock. Callie is all like, oh, how thoughtful of you. Shauna tells her to go through the back in case Kevin is still out there. Love their dysfunctional relationship. Cut to Ty in the present. She comes down to see Sammy playing with Steve. What on earth? Ty is understandably surprised and asks, what is he doing there? Apparently he wanted to see her, so he walked all the way there from school. Let me just let me just note for posterity that Sammy is acting uncharacteristically uncreepy in this scene. They hug, she's happy to see him. Ty realizes that she should notify Simone, but not before she makes him a sandwich. Ty calls Simone and tells her that Sammy just showed up. She doesn't seem to believe her and tells her that she's going to get him. Hmm. I hope nothing horrifying happens here. Yeah. Cut to Misty at her workplace, frustrated that her internet foe hasn't responded yet. That's just like me in 2015 just arguing with somebody about a song of ice and fire on the internet and checking every like half an hour to see if they've responded yet. (laughs) Yeah, it was not a great year for me. Um, that is a very you activity, though. It is. Glad I don't really do that anymore. Misty glances over and sees a dude, played by Elijah Wood, dropping his mum off at the nursing home in a wheelchair, asking about the place's HVAC protocols. I love that little detail. Uh, Elijah Wood voices his concern about sadist nurses. Hmm. This fellow seems to both intrigue and infuriate Misty. She opens the break room fridge to discover a layout addressed to her on her lunch. It is seemingly blank. Yeah, cut to the past. Travis is walking dejectedly through the snow. The scenery is still beautiful. We cut to Nat nearby, looking conflicted about something. A flashback reveals that she stole some of Harvey's pants from his suitcase, cut her own leg, and bled on them. Uh, The pants are the same colour as the ones Harvey went missing in, by the way. I I did check. (laughs) At least 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 she didn't cut her own hand like people in movies do, because you should never do that. Why not? Because there's too many blood vessels there. If you have to get some of your blood out for some reason, you should do it to your thigh. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, don't do it at all if you can help it, but you know. <laughs> well, damn it, Jackie. Try not to. Anyway. She presents them to Travis, who freaks out, and says they were hanging on a branch. Travis is like, Did you look for him? 
Nat says that she did, but found nothing. Kevin Alves and Sophie Thatcher are both really good in this scene. Travis says that they have to go back to look for him, but Nat tells him that he is gone, and Travis just collapses onto the floor, while the snow floor. Also, I'd like to add that he's all just like, did you try digging? It's like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, if he's buried by a few feet of ice, he's yeah. definitely dead, bruh. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he does on some level acknowledge that he would just want to take his body back. Well, yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> but no, that's, that's, that's fine. Really, not could have saved a lot of time if he'd just been like, he's dead, bruh. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, this, on that topic... This is a lie intended to prevent him from getting injured or killed in some, like, further fruitless search for Harvey. Uh, Matthew, do you think what Nat does here is justified? I mean, on some level. Mm. There's always a level of moral ambiguity. Yeah. She is lying to him, which was what broke him up the last time, about something much less important. But to protect him. No, yeah, that's the thing. I love the, the ambiguity of it. When people do bad things, it's for a good reason. Sometimes when people do good things, it's for a bad reason. You know, people are complex in the show and in real life. But, yeah, I think this means that Harvey is alive, according to TV logic, because when it looks so hopeless that someone is alive, that means that they actually will be. So Harvey's going to, like, turn up and be like, hey, guys, what I miss? And also according to Lottie, which, you know, she can communicate with fucking spirits. Well, if you you believe that. Well, yeah. And that's it. Fucking knows, really. Indeed. Harvey turns up and Travis is like, what the fuck? And this makes him believe in Lottie even more. I think that might be what happens. Uh, Cut to the present. Lottie is telling Nat the story of Travis's death. Supposedly, Travis was being haunted by the wilderness entity. So he wanted to almost die in order to be able to attain a higher plane of consciousness and communicate with it. Like Van did in her near-death experience. We get a flashback with Andres Soto as Travis... Who, who rules, he's a great actor. And I th- I think it actually is the same guy in the previous uh, season. Are you sure? I I'm pretty sworn it was a different I guy. I think it's the same guy. Yeah, Lottie tells... I could have Tra- sworn when I saw him hanging from that crane the first time, he was a different fella. I'm... I'm uh, listeners, right in. Anyway. I mean, I really should probably rewatch the first season just so I can uh, fact-check my absurd statements, but oh well. <laughs> it is good. Lottie tells Travis uh, at his house to stop reliving this and tells him that he's in the vice grip of his trauma. A very Lottie line. Hey, Allie was always going on about trauma bonding. Maybe she, maybe Lottie would be the only adult yellow jacket that she actually gets on with. Maybe. Lottie calms Travis down, just like she did in episode one. She fell asleep to find that he had driven to his workplace and set up the candles and hanging device. Oh no. Nat, in the present, asks why Lottie didn't contact her. Lottie replies that Travis said she would only make things worse. Notice that we don't actually see that exchange happen. How interesting. Lottie tells Nat that Travis wrote instructions on how to get into his bank account, which, again, we also don't actually see that, and that Travis had written the note, tell Nat she was right. About what? You know, Lottie doesn't know what she was right about. It it seemed to contradict the rest of her story. This... See, this to me is a slight flaw of this episode, or maybe of the previous episode, because it ends with the cli- the previous episode ends with the cliffhanger of Lottie being like, "I have a message for you for Travis," and it, the audience is seemingly meant to think that that's a piece of new information, but she doesn't really have a new message for him. It's just the tell Nat she was right thing. It's it still makes logical sense within the story because she didn't know that Nat already had read the outline of that note, 
but it still feels a little bit manipulatively edited. Just to, not a huge deal, just something I thought I'd point out. It's easy to Monday morning quarterback these things. Incredibly easy. Travis says he's going to essentially temporarily asphyxiate himself so that he can contact the wilderness entity. Much like that lawyer guy did on Six Feet Under, only without the sexual element. I mean, I assume. <laughs> in On that episode of Six Feet Under, which is a great fucking show, by the way, it listeners, if you haven't seen Six Feet Under, you should definitely watch it. Um, the dude was autoerotically asphyxiating himself and planned to uh, leave the station and had a lemon in his mouth because you was, when you're about to die, you supposedly bite down the lemon and that makes you wake up and stop asphyxiating yourself. But yeah, it, I'm sure that works yeah, 100% it did, of the it, time. Because I'm it, looking at you, Michael Hutchins. Uh, sad. But yeah, he uh, it didn't work for him and he died. Please don't ever fucking try that, guys. Like, don't ever fucking do that. Don't try this at home, kids. Um, uh, Lottie agrees to help him because otherwise he'll just do it himself. He gets hung. Lottie tries to let him down. But the buttons get stuck. Nat, in the present, reacts with incredulity to this explanation. Lottie claims that his death was just a horrendous accident. Nat says, I know there's something you're not telling me. Yeah, I think that too. Lottie presumably could have, like, ran over and lifted him up, but she was, apparently, distracted from doing so by a horrifying vision of a fucked-up zombie version of Laura Lee. Oh, that was terrifying. That looked so fucked. The bit where the camera zooms into her mouth was kind of goofy, though. Also, like... She wouldn't be fucked up and water damaged. She would be all burninated, wouldn't she? Because the yeah. plane exploded. Hey, it's she, not. She would have been more cremated than Jackie ends up. Ugh. Fucked up. Also uh, more uh, in bits. Ugh. Fucked up hallucinations, I guess, don't have to reflect reality. So yeah, after Lottie exits her horrific flashback, she sees that Travis has been hung by the crane thing much higher. Oh, oh, I should say. There's an image when Lottie is having her fucked up, you know, flashback dream. A bunch of images flash on the screen, and one of them is what appears to be the young adult Lottie with like a bloody face after getting the shit beaten out of her. Huh. So like, yeah, that's obviously just a little Easter egg that most people wouldn't catch. But like, yeah, that ooh, fucked up stuff is going to happen later this season. So yeah, can't wait. She sees that Travis has been hung by the crane much higher. I guess the buttons got unstuck, or maybe only the down button was stuck. Or maybe she's, she's just crazy. Yeah. I guess the electricity didn't cure everything. No. So yeah, I suspect, as I think we both do, that a lot of this isn't real. I, I would agree. Yeah, I, I think that the footage we saw is real, but there's other things around it that she's leaving out. Put it that way. Everybody likes to honeycoat the truth. Indeed, and we also still have no idea what Travis wanted to tell Nat she was right about. Because presumably, if he actually was like, she'll only make things worse, he wouldn't tell her that she was right about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will find out, eventually. Lottie says that she was trying to save him. Nat points out that every time she tries to save someone, horrible shit happens. Nat says, I'm gonna put a stop to your fucking bullshit. I don't know how yet, but I'm gonna stop it. Lottie replies that Nat must be alive to do that. So she'll, you know, consider that a win. I like that line. Nat demands Lottie let her leave, but she says she has to wait until the morning. Cut to Simone arriving at Ty's house. The door has been latched shut, which she takes exception to. Ty has fallen asleep on the table. Uh, Simone says that Ty looks like hammered shit. Lol. <laughs> She's like, cool, thanks. Uh, Sammy is nowhere to be found. Oh no. They go up to his room. 
The window is open. Ty says this must be some kind of cry for attention. Simone gets mad at her for leaving him by himself, and they rush out of the house to find him. I wonder what happened. Oh no. Uh, we cut to the past. Everyone is gathering wood for the Jackie pyre. Ty and Lottie are carrying Jackie's frozen corpse between them. It's a pretty grim sight. Akila asks if they should save her jacket. Shauna vehemently objects to this. Is it out of respect? Also, nobody sees the hunk she sliced off. Except for Lottie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good recollection. Mari moves to take it off. Shauna scuffles with her, and then Mari's like, Now you're a protector? Too little, too late. Too little, too late. I have a line in my script, free space for Matthew to make bawdy 1970s hospital reference. <laughs> I think Mari would fit in great at the 1970s bawdy hospital. She loves double entendres. It would be a great crossover. I hear it's beaver season, as Van would say. If if Robert Webb was there, Van would be like, I hear it's beaver season. He'd be like, were you having vaginal sex with your penis? <laughs> Ty and Lottie break up the fight, in the process of which Lottie sees Jackie's hand wound. Shauna hastily covers it up. Necklace watch, necklace watch 2023. She removes Jackie's necklace and gives it to Shauna. How does it get to Pitgirl? Ah... Uh. We cut to the present. Callie and her friend Ilana are at a bar that apparently doesn't card people. Which, cool. Ilana says that Kyle is... that. Yeah. Ilana says that Kyle is in shock and demands that Callie tell him what he did. He didn't do anything, he just sucks. (laughs) Ilana tells Callie that the bloke over there, who is played by John Reynolds from Search Party and Stranger Things, he's a damn good actor, has been checking her out (laughs) and that she should go over and flirt with him. She was kidding, but Callie does so anyway. Uh, she was kidding, but Callie does so anyway. The two of them flirt with each other about crossword puzzles for a bit. He seems kind of sleazy. Uh, this guy tells her that he's back in his hometown because his parents are divorcing. How appropriate. Callie lies that she is in her last year at Rutgers, which was the university Jackie wanted to go to, which is a great parallel between them, because Shauna dislikes her daughter partially because she reminds her of Jackie. And yeah, Callie tells this guy that her mom is cheating on her dad. He says that his name is Jay. Cut back to the past, the group is preparing to burn Jackie. Ty looks at Shauna with concern. Really interested to see how their friendship develops over the season. Nat and Travis come back, and the former is like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, They tell her about the burning Jackie situation. She comments that it has been a fucking day. The group spies Harvey's trouser fragment. Lottie is all, no, it can't be. I know that he's alive. And that tells her to shut the fuck up. Do you also know where the fuck he is? Yeah. Because that would save us a lot of time. That would be useful. Yeah, that'd be very useful, Lottie. And she's like, Harvey's alive. I can feel it. And that is like, for fuck's sake, shut up. Don't you see how much damage you're doing? The argument is forestalled by Shauna lighting the pyre. Everyone else stands around awkwardly. Yeah, Sophie Nelise crushes this scene. And she says, Jackie... I'll never have another friend like you. I don't even know where you end and I begin. Notice how neither of those statements is actually inherently positive. Yeah, no, she's bogus. But yeah, she says, uh, I'm sorry, and I love you. It's actually a very amusing scene. Travis places the quadrant of pant on the fire. Uh, poor Harvey, even his cenotaph gets overshadowed by somebody else's actual corpse. <laughs> the camera lingers on Shauna watching the fire saying goodbye to her best friend. Lottie and Ty 
are on either sides of Shauna, representing the two paths she could take of rationality versus spirituality. How interesting. As they walk away, the snow begins to fall. Cut to the present. Nat is searching her room for exits, and voluntarily flashes back to a scene of some paramedics de-overdosing her with Travis beside them. Ah, that's fucked. I, I really hope we see more of their relationship, dude. The good and the bad. And cut to Misty cleaning Caligula's cage using an AV light. She then realises that she can use that to decipher the seemingly blank letter. Ah! She seems frustrated with herself that she didn't realise this before. The light reveals the note to say, and I just, I love this note, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. Uh, I have no doubt you're reading this note because you're too smart not to have figured it out. Misty interjects with, damn right I am. Don't shoot the messenger. The security camera is a dummy, for deterrence only, which is exactly what we predicted last time. Yep. Go us. However, I did ID a man who's been living in the motel for three months. He thinks he's being interrogated by the FBI tomorrow. Would Agent Quigley care to join? Please advise on the citizen detective board of your choosing. This note will self-destruct in ten, nine, never mind, I'm kidding. Truly yours, putting the sick in forensics. Which, you know, does not have a second. <laughs> very true, my friend, very true. Yeah, I can't wait to see these two weirdos interact. And I love how this fellow was introduced gradually this season instead of trying to cram everything into episode one. That was, that was really good. Cut to Kevin at the police station, hanging out with Jay, whose real name is Matt. Uh, sorry, Matthew, your namesake in this show is a wanker. Oh, by the way, there's uh, uh, just recently another Matthew started at my work. So oh, now. right. <laughs> Did you go up to him and be like, I'm the alpha? <laughs> Basically. Lol. There is some debate on you know what we do about that whole situation to but avoid confusion. Is your name not also Matthew? That's going to cause That's some gonna confusion. That's going to cause some confusion. Mind if we call you Bruce? He tells Kevin that he followed Callie and talked with her at a bar. Kevin is kind of freaked out by this, pointing out that they are not undercover for this operation. Matt reveals that... This is going to get confusing. I'm just going to call him Officer Twatface. <laughs> I mean, if you insist. Officer Twatface reveals that Jeff was cheating on Shauna. He says they could bring her in right now. Go hard. Kevin says that's not going to work. Because Shauna is smart. Citation needed. <laughs> they shall need something more. I think, I think Shauna is very book smart, but is sometimes lacking in common sense. Mm, she's not very street smart. No. The scene fades out on Kevin looking contemplative. Cut to Nat and Trav hanging out in bed, holding hands. Both of them look pretty fucking depresso. Uh, Nat and Travis then start making out. They start undressing before Nat realises this would involve exposing her leg wound. They instead do some over-the-clothes action. And, and this is really weird. During which Travis hallucinates that he is in fact banging Lottie and that some kind of spectral light is coming out of him and like her as well is so fucking weird dude I loved it loved the eerie vocalization music in this scene is so fucking weird uh, dramatic music plays as a POV shot of some wind you'd have to think so wind similar to the one in episode 5 of season 1 and in Evil Dead hurtles through the woods before finally striking a bunch of snow loose from a branch onto Jackie's pyre. This coats Jackie in the snow and stops all but a meagre portion of the flames. Sure hope this doesn't lead to anything horrifying. <laughs> so yeah, Ty and Have you seen this show? <laughs> uh, yes. Ty and Simone are driving in their car when the latter receives a call from the school. It turns out Sammy has been there the whole time! Oh no! Damn, Ty, you can use... 
This is exact. <laughs> Ty, you can use this opportunity to get one over Simone in the custody battle. You know, be like, oh, I can't believe your other mom would leave you alone for hours. Sorry, she just must not really love you. Yeah. It's like there's a <laughs> Saturday morning breakfast cartoon comic about some guy being like, oh, to his daughter, like, oh, your mom left you this present. Oh, no, it's full of scorpions and snakes, the things that you hate. Why would she do that? And the caption is, when you only have two days of custody a week, make the most of them. <laughs> Turns That's out, awesome. Yeah. Turns out that Ty hallucinated him the whole time. Simone says that Ty is very sick. No shit. She demands Ty get help. But the bad one has other ideas. She crashes into another fucking car. Ah, it's so brutal. And she has a really terrifying expression before she does so, scowling at Simone. It's it's really fucked up. Yeah, I don't think their relationship's that healthy. No, I don't think it's a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Then we cut to the final scene of the episode. It surely deserves to rank among the show's best. Everyone is sleeping in the cabin before they all wake up at the same time to discover a delicious smell. They all walk outside to discover Jackie's body has been slow cooked. I mean, it still didn't look super appetizing, but hey. Probably more appetizing than the final scene of the cook. The yes. The cook, thief, the thief, the wife, and his lover. The cook, oh. the thief, his wife, and her lover. Yeah. I think. That's a complicated title. It fucking is. The. The scale goes at the bottom, the human meat from that movie, then the human meat in this episode, and the nicest is the human meat in the pilot episode. Yeah. That looked delicious. But that's after they cooked multiple people, so they really got, you know... And that's coming from a vegetarian. Yeah. I, He's he, really got his... Uh, yeah, no. His meats down pat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this wouldn't happen in real life, but this is a TV show, so get over it. As the... Mystery Science Theater 3000 opening theme would say, then repeat to yourself, it's just a show, I should really just relax. <laughs> Climbing Up the Walls by Radiohead starts playing. I, I liked it. I feel like I like Radiohead as a band, but I just don't really like the culture around them, if that makes any sense. Mm, yeah. Is that Tom York or is it just Mustard? <laughs> <laughs> Quite. Everyone stands around awkwardly and... To me, their expressions sort of say, like, I'm hungry as fuck, but I don't want to be the first one to, you know, partake. Everyone then hallucinates that they are beautifully dressed in Romanesque attire and jewellery, and at some kind of Bacchanalian feast at a table in a clearing in a more pleasant and less cold forest. Lottie is wearing the laurels of an emperor, just pointing that out. I love this both as a visual device and as an in-universe psychological distancing effect. Like, this is what they have to fool their minds into thinking so they can deal with it. Do you... See, I've seen some people that are fans of the show being like, they should have just had straight-up cannibalism and not the feast thing. Do you agree, or...? Uh, again, I think it's just, like, a, a symptom of their, like, insanity. Exactly. Like, you know, they're just trying exactly. to cope with the gravity of the situation. Mm. I personally love that approach, and I think there'll be plenty of time later in the series for raw, unfiltered cannibalism. And also, I don't know if you're going to get to this, but I like the imagery of them tasting of the forbidden fruit. Yes, yes, exactly! The first thing she eats is the strawberry, which is the forbidden uh, the forbidden fruit. That's so good. That's such a me... Solid metaphor. That's such a me note for you to take. <laughs> I'm proud of you. 
Uh, yeah. I love that it's more motivated by a weird kind of mania than like absolute starvation. Although, also starvation, they hadn't smelled any nice meat in months. Yeah, those hungry buggers. Shauna cuts off a slice of Jackie slash imagines herself picking up a strawberry. Everybody then starts eating. They go fucking nuts. The scene cuts frantically back and forth between their hallucinatory and actual meal. Yeah, this scene fucking rules. I love how Coach Ben's just like, yes. I gotta get oh, the fuck no. out of here. I don't want any part of this. I don't want to be made into a bento box. I'd rather starve to death, but by the way, if I do, they'll probably eat me next. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. There's a, a shot that would be cute in any other context of, like, Ty and Van eating the same bit of food, like Lady and the Tramping with each other. <laughs> yeah. It, they just... It, listeners, if you recall, if you listen to our teaser trailer analysis video... We predicted this. We predicted that the scene would be a hallucinatory feast. We just thought they'd be eating Coach Ben instead of Jackie. Yeah. But, but yeah, hey, that's coming. You know, We still did pretty well, I think. She is called wise. Snacky Jackie for a reason. Indeed. A full course meal she was. Do you think we'll... This is a question I was wondering about. Do you think after this point we'll keep seeing her ghost haunt Shauna? Or is that done for the time being? I cannot possibly say. Yeah. Interesting to see. Yeah, the, terrified bands probably thinking oh fuck i'm next aren't i when i said i wanted to go to seattle and get eaten this isn't what i meant he shuts the door and the episode ends Ugh, what a fucking episode i mean i i liked the premiere the premiere was good but this one really kicked things into high gear and like the thing that i keep going back to is like if things are already this fucked by episode two how horrifying are they gonna get by the end of this season Hopefully it just keeps going up like a notch every time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So yeah, I don't know about you, Matthew, but I can't wait to find out. Me neither. And that is all for this episode. Listeners, be well. And remember, we're not out of the woods yet.